CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 44 Who's afraid of the globalists? The transnationalization of right-wing conservatives. If you grew up in Austria, Germany or Switzerland, you might have heard of this game. Perhaps you have even played it as a child. Wer hat Angst vom schwarzen Mann? Who's afraid of the black man? It's a kind of a running game in which one child plays the role of a black man standing on one end of the gym and on the opposite of the gym stand other kids. The black man asks, who's afraid of the black man? And the other kids respond, nobody. But what if he comes? Then we run away, they respond. And then the children try to get to the other side of the room without the black man catching them. If they reach the wall, they're safe. If they get caught, they also become a black man and both will try to catch the rest in the following round. The UN Human Rights Council recently pointed out that the game has a racially discriminating effect. Others explain the roots of the black man game uh, as a myth of the reaper or the plague, often called the black death. Although we are not here to predominantly talk about racially discriminating culture today, the rhetorics of politicians like Viktor Orban shed light on a structural and cultural issue with racism in the Hungarian society and beyond. Welcome to our podcast series Central Europe Explained. My name is Daniela Apaiden. I'm a research associate at the IDM and I'm hosting today's episode on the issue of transnationalization of right-wing conservatives. I invited Flora Garamvölgyi for this episode. She is the US correspondent for Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty and also a contributing writer for The Guardian. Hi, Flora. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Flora, as a journalist, you have been covering foreign affairs for the past decade, focusing on the relationship between the US Republicans and Europe. But first of all, I would like to ask you, have you ever played or heard of this game? Who's afraid of the black man? No, I don't think so. So apparently it is really a thing for German speaking people only. But anyway, let's start with the most intriguing question right now. In the last few years, American conservatives have developed an increasing interest in the small Central European state, as its longtime Prime Minister Viktor Orban provides hope for weakened conservatives in the US. Where can we observe concrete links between Hungary and the US, and why should we actually be interested in this development? Um, thank you for this question. I think it's really interesting. It's Orban's fourth consecutive term now. He won multiple times with a supermajority, so he's a really successful politician. So Republicans see a small country where conservative ideas can thrive. And um, because there was not much known about Hungary until this point, it's easy to paint it as a conservative paradise without revealing the exact policies they fundamentally disagree in, such as, you know, free healthcare, gun rights, abortion laws, price gaps, or economy. Without mentioning these differences, Hungary can serve as an example, as a model for a segment of the Republican Party, where they can showcase how well conservative policies work. And this is something that has been echoed in the 
American conservative media as well. And why we should um, focus on this issue is because Orban has been in diplomatic isolation in the Western world, losing important allies in the recent past, just to mention one, Poland. So allies in a very powerful country matter. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. So um, if we go a bit deeper into these alliances, can you tell us a bit uh, more about this network? How can we imagine these relations? What uh, kind of figures are in these networks and who are influential? Mm, of course. So there are Republicans like Paul Gosar or Andy Harris who have always defended Orban. And of course, here is Donald Trump. Viktor Orban was an early supporter of Donald Trump, endorsing him as early as summer 2016. And he also publicly backed him in the 2020 vote. Trump returned his favor, uh, publicly endorsing Orban um, for the last election, um, where his party, Fidesz, retained its two-thirds supermajority. And let's not forget that the 2019 White House visit was Viktor Orban's first visit to the White House in 20 years, where he found a like-minded leader in Trump. And there was something interesting that Trump said there. He said, um, he's probably like me, a little bit controversial, but it's okay. You have done a good job and you have kept your country safe. And I think with that sentence, the world saw that Orban found an ally in Trump, and, and he is one of his most important allies. And of course, we could mention um, institutions who are um, focusing on these transatlantic relations. There is MCC, the Matthias Corvinus um, College in Hungary, or Danube Institute, under, or the Center for Fundamental Rights, which are all receiving um, government funds in some ways. You mentioned the Danube Institute. Uh, the conservative author Rod Dreher, um recently spent some time in Budapest as a fellow there. And um, later on, he said that uh, Budapest is a hub of a network against globalism, which has been under construction for a few years. Um, what can we really understand is this? Um, why is globalism here a, a negative term? And um, in how far is this a common belief uh, between U.S. and uh, Hungarian politicians? Mm. Yeah, I've mentioned a few um, issues that they don't agree on, uh, meaning um, U.S. politicians and Hungarian politicians. And what they agree on is that they are against the woke culture and liberal. Um, they agree on ideological issues, mainly such as, you know, families being important or gender issues or LGBT issues. Um, and we can see that reflected in some policies, just to mention um, some, you know, DeSantis' policies in Florida. They don't say gay bill, which forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in um, preschool through third grade. It is strikingly similar to a law that the Hungarian parliament passed nine months before the Florida bill that bans gay people from featuring in school educational materials or TV shows for under 18 year olds. Also, a recent Florida legislation releases employees or students in K-12 schools for, from referring to others using their preferred personal title or pronoun if it does not match their sex. 
it is also quite similar to a 2020 bill that passed in Hungary that basically ended legal recognition for trans people. So we are seeing these ideological issues reflected in policies as well in both countries, um, which is interesting. And um, back to ideological issues, I think it is easy to find common enemies there, such as, you know, liberal, the fake news media, globalism, as you mentioned. But I think that what's very important here is, and very interesting here, is if the war in Ukraine is going to change this um, this good relationship between the US Republicans and Hungary, because that's something that they don't agree on. And I'm interested to see if it could be a breaking point or not. Because there were issues that um, some Republicans highlighted before, such as, you know, democracy or corruption in Hungary. But this war in Ukraine could be such a crucial point that might, you know, change this relationship between the two, um, the two political um, segments, let's say that way. Um, so we can observe common policies, common strategies um, and beliefs, um, as you mentioned. Um, speaking of strategies, I would like to um, investigate a little bit the, the reasons or the, the common um, the ties between um, these two countries. Um, and here um, the US journalist Sarah Posner reported that the beginning of the network between far-right politicians Uh, and their fellows in Hungary was in 2008, when Orban was trying to return power and hire the Republican strategist Arthur Finkelstein. Um, have you heard of uh, Finkelstein and uh, what, what role does he have in your opinion? So here's what's important to know about Viktor Orban and Arthur Finkelstein. Finkelstein worked for Roger Stone and other big names on the Republican side. And then he went to work with Benjamin Netanyahu. And Netanyahu was friends with Orban, and he introduced um, Finkelstein to Orban. And it was Finkelstein who came up with the idea that instead of running against these big ideas like globalism or migration, Orban should run against a person. And he decided to make George Soros the boogeyman. And the reason why the Soros campaign worked is quite simple. It had a face, a face that Orban supporters could blame for literally everything. The demonization of Soros is basically one of the defining features of global politics now. And it is just a pack of lies. And with a few exceptions, of course, George Soros is Jewish. He was a currency trader. He backed Democrats in the UN. He supports the idea of an open society, yes. But the other ones are, are just wild theories, which, you know, include the, the suggestion that he helped bring down the Soviet Union or that he wants to force um, European countries to, um, to host um, everyone who is um, coming from Africa or Arab countries. So these campaigns are just, based on life and wild theories, but it worked because it had a face. 
And its victory in Hungary showed that constructing an external enemy could bring electoral success in a modern age if it allowed Hungary and Orban, basically, to become Trump before Trump, as Steve Bannon said. As we see, I mean, Orban, after um, getting consulted uh, by, by Finkelstein, Orban won the elections in 2010. And later on, he hired uh, a former congressman and lobbyist, Connie Mack, uh, also an ally of Finkelstein, uh, and uh, for the elections uh, 2014. Um, so his success is kind of based on, on, the, on the knowledge that also comes from the, the US and uh, on this on these campaigns of uh, polarization and, and fear. Um, I wondered uh, how strong do you think in general are these, um, I call them Orban fans now within the Republican Party? Yeah, I think he has a couple of um, Orban fans there, as you, as you, as you um, said, but he also has a couple of um, critiques such as um, Senator Rubio, Senator Romney, um, or McCall, uh, or, or, or Representative Wilson. So it's not that everyone in the Republican Party agrees on um, supporting Orban. So as I just mentioned, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the war in Ukraine brings to this, um, to this issue and how it's going to unfold in the future. Did you um, observe concrete critics regarding Hungary's stand um, towards um, the war in Ukraine? How was the perception among critics? I think um, publicly there are a few or like not many Republicans criticize Orban policy, but I'm not sure that's going to stay that way in the future. So I think the reason why they don't publicly criticize Orban because the topic of Hungary and Orban, it's a divisive issue in the Republican Party. And I think it's important for them to show a united face most of the time, to not show these divisive topics uh, to their voters or to the you know outside viewer. But I'm not sure that it's going to stay that way in the future. Okay, yeah. So let's. It's. It will be remain. It remains to be seen if if this alliance will also, um, let's say, break up or or at least freeze, like like with Poland at the moment due to the war. So I was still wondering because we were talking about um, kind of knowledge transfer uh, strategies um, that are shared. Um, I was wondering if there is also. Um, and uh, proof for funds for for money that comes from the US uh, to Hungary, for example, to the before mentioned think tanks? Hmm. No, I, I wouldn't name um, any funds or any um, money flow right now concretely. I only like to speak on topics that I, you know, personally investigate or there is proof. Of course, yeah. So what do you think? Of course, we don't know how it will develop uh, throughout the, the, the war and um, with, with the question of Ukraine. But what impact could these alliances have in, in domestic politics in Hungary? Um, or even if we go further, um, next year will be the um, elections for the European Parliament. 
Um, will will these alliances play a role, do you think? Yeah, I think these alliances will only have a greater visible impact on Hungarian domestic uh, politics if Republicans win the next presidential race. But other than that, meetings with well-known, powerful Republican politicians help Orban to paint himself as a powerful world leader, not just domestically, but internationally. It shows him as someone who is not in diplomatic isolation. And the Hungarian pro-government media loves to put an emphasis on these meetings to showcase Orban's diplomatic successes. Um, as What to expect from the, um, the EP elections? I think it really depends on what happens with the Ukraine war, because Orban has a reputation as being Putin's ally. And I think that's one of the main reasons he's losing allies, important allies in Europe. So I think it really depends on what happens with the war next door, next door to Hungary. And also, it really depends on the economy in Hungary, because that's something that people are mainly focused on right now. Mm -hmm. So do you know anything about the connections and the ties to other EU member states besides Hungary? You mean EU member states between uh, US Republicans? Exactly. Mm. So can you compare the, the kind of uh, friendship or alliance to any other country? Is this a very something uh, specific to, to Hungary? Yeah, so my, my focus was mainly Hungary for the past few years. Um, but I know they have um, a great relationship with a few um, um, Polish politicians without um, mentioning um, any. I think what's, what's most interesting, how U.S. Republicans were focused on Hungary in the past um, one or two years. Um, because if we're seeing other um, European countries, such as Poland, think they could find more issues in common or more topics in common, let's say um, abortion rights, uh, they would agree more on with Poland uh, if, we're, if we're talking about um, concrete policies than with Hungary. So I think that's, that's interesting. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so we already have found a, a topic for, for another episode of uh, CE maybe focusing then on, on Poland. So thanks a lot uh, for these insights. It's extremely interesting um, to, to look at this um, a bit of a niche topic, but yet not, not uh, unimportant. Um, and also to understand a little bit that it's not that it's much more um, heterogeneous, maybe the, the, um, the circles in, in, the, in the US among Republicans and not uh, that Orban and his politics might also get increasing critics uh, in, the, in the upcoming months. So let's see about that. Um, we have this tradition at every end of uh, our episode to ask our guest for a cultural input, um, something uh, be it a art piece, some literature, some movie, etc. Uh, for inspiration for our li uh, listeners. Um, did you bring anything for us? Yeah, because of this um, niche nature of topic, I brought um, two TV shows or two episodes from, from TV shows. And one is the Hungary special uh, from The Daily Show um, by Jordan Klepper. 
And I think the other one uh, that is really interesting to watch, and it's not Hungary specific, is the the Run the Santa special um, with uh, John Oliver. Okay, perfect. Yes, we'll check that out. And as usual, we will, of course, um, put the links into into the descriptions later on when we publish. Thank you for sharing your insights uh, with us today. Uh, all the best uh, to, to LA uh, and yeah, goodbye. Thank you for having me. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. If you enjoyed listening to us, make sure to subscribe to the IDM podcast series on your favorite podcast platform. Additionally, you can explore our other work on our website www.idm.at. If you have any feedback or if you're interested in collaborating on a podcast episode, please do not hesitate to contact us through our social media channels at IDM Vienna or write us an email to idm at idm.at IDM Podcast Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa Institut for the Danube Region and Central Europe European Perspectives Regional Actions Cooperation and Expertise since 1953